you know, growing up in the church, we were given such like two-dimensional interpretations of who the Israelites were as a group or who the disciples were or who the Pharisees were. And so this is one of those times where I do feel this invitation to return to that story of the Israelites, because mm. I think when we go to like their Exodus story, as you brought up, Daniel, in particular, yeah. like, the only thing we label them as is like complainers, and as like, why can't you get this right? Like, don't you see that God like freed you from slavery? Like, don't you see how easy this should be for you? Like, why are you making golden calves? Like, you know, like we think like how idiotic because we've made them so two dimensional, but right. living in this collective mm -hmm. season of wilderness, I see a lot of Israel like tendencies on Facebook, on in the <laughs> conversations I have with people. Welcome to the Gather, Grow, Go podcast. I'm Pastor Daniel. I'm Pastor Melissa. And I'm just Kiefer. And we're back. Woo. After a couple of week hiatus, we are back and thank you for being here with us today. We are going to kickstart a new season of the podcast and we are excited to be on this journey with you and, and thankful uh, for your willingness to let us have a couple of weeks off to refresh ourselves, let our minds and hearts uh, take a little bit of a break in this process. But know that you have been with us in, in our thought and in our prayer and we've missed our Gather, Grow, Go family. And so we are excited to be back. Uh, and. and this next five-week season is one we're going to look at wilderness. Mm. Now, I know with Melissa and Kiefer on the call, you probably think we're just going to go wander in a state park somewhere or something like that. But <laughs> that sounds but, better than what we came up <laughs> with. That probably is better, and it probably would be good to our souls. Um, but we're really going to talk about the wilderness that is not just a physical thing, but the wilderness that, that can come sometimes feel like life. Um, the, the struggle and the heartache and the pain and the wilderness of, of our emotions and, and of life's circumstance that shows up on time to time. Melissa, when we say wilderness, what pops to your mind? Well, honestly, uh, two things. One, like actually going into like Big Bend National Park. And there's some spaces that really, truly feel like just wilderness places, like you're the only one there. But also... Uh, more like Sunday school answer, like Old Testament. Like that's also what pops to my mind of like, the you just think of, of like there's all these like big stories of like, well, they wandered in the wilderness and the Israelites were in the wilderness again. So those are kind of the like paralleling images in mm. my brain. Mm. Kiefer, what pops into your mind? There's, there's kind of two images for me. And one of them is like, just being if I, i'm imagining myself out like in the actual wilderness like maybe waking i mean I, this would i hope never happened to me but just waking up and going how did i where am i how did i get here you know two things pop into my head and one is kind of being in a new situation and you're not ex entirely sure how to get out of it like or where the end of this expanse is like what the others like what getting out of the wilderness looks like and that and mm -hmm. kind of the different emotions and um you know, kind of stages that we're actually going to talk about of getting through that, um, that 
are going to happen. And then also kind of there for, for me, I don't know if there's a necessary sense of like aloneness of like, lone, like mm. kind of, yeah. but, but for me, I imagining that I, I would assume that would, for, maybe it's just cause I'm a seven or an extrovert or whatever. But if I'm in the middle of a wilderness and I have like a buddy, then I'm probably like having a, I'm, I'm having a great time. <laughs> like if, if I, if somebody's there, then that's, that's a lot better. But for some reason there's a lot more weight for me if it's mm. sort of like you feel you have this feeling that you're kind of dealing with something new that you've never dealt with before. And to add on top of that, like this sense of like, I'm dealing with this alone. Like, I don't know that anybody else can really help mm. me out of this. Yeah. I, I love that both of you have named both the kind of the literal and the metaphorical power of wilderness, right? It, yeah. And, and, and key for your image of being, you know, waking up in the wilderness overnight going, how did I get here? And where do we go from here? Right. Um, it's both terrifying when you think about it from a literal sense, because all the wildernesses I enjoy also have bears in them. And so that would be a little <laughs> scary. Um, but also from a metaphorical sense, I think is just deeply resonating with me in life right now. Right. And I'm not an epidemiologist. And so some of our, you know, pandemic experts may have said, well, last November, we saw this thing coming. Well, your preacher did not. Uh, right. and, and, and come February and March, um, I had a very different perspective on things than I do today. And, and there's moments where, you know, I think I have, and I know from talking to any number of other people, you, you wake up going, now, where am I and how did I get here? And how long will the journey out of these woods be? Um, and, and those are some of the kinds of things that we're going to wrestle with over this season as we talk about uh, the experience of wilderness. And uh, because there are things that, that many of us will experience on this journey that are really important. Um, and it's really helpful for us to be able to name them, maybe as we experience them, and then maybe as we're moving into potentially experiencing them in the future. It, it's kind of like the five stages of grief when we're in a time of deep grief, knowing that that we're not the only one in this wilderness, right? We're not the only one there by ourselves. It's not just a high extroverted seven thing where you want to have a buddy uh, yeah. coming along with you. It, it's a human thing for we're knowing that um, we're not in this alone and we're not the only ones who have ever experienced anything like this can be profoundly powerful. On this journey, we're going to have a book that kind of serves as our guide that Pastor Melissa introduced Kiefer and I to, and and understand that this uh, podcast will kind of be your Cliff Notes version with commentary <laughs> uh, for for this journey. Melissa, you want to tell us a little about the book that we're going to be going yeah, through? Yeah, so the book is called The Land Between um, by Jeff Mannion, and it is this, um, the subtitle for the book that I think is just so great is Finding God in Difficult Transitions. Um, and mm. so I think a lot of what we're going to talk about in the podcast is going to be more geared towards all these bigger wilderness ideas um, versus transition. Because we're in some form of transition right now, like all of us, like we were forced out of our normal, dropped into the wilderness where we all woke up alone saying, how did we get here in the, this experience of COVID-19? And the question, though, is how are we going to move through it together? But he lays out these five big points of instead of like the five stages of grief that you go through, you've got these five main points that you go through whenever you're living in the wilderness. And so those are complaint, which we're going to dive deeper into today. That's melt. I'm tired of this joke. Yeah. Like yeah. meltdown makes me think of like, it's the top phase yeah. that we all go through mm -hmm. as adults as well. 
Yeah. Um, we're going to be talking about provision, like, because we still need to survive. And we've all had those manna experiences in our wilderness um, spaces. Discipline, because if any place can teach you discipline, it's the wilderness. And the fifth and final one is growth. Um, can we, because that's the most powerful. That's, that is truly, in my opinion, that's the Christ work of any wilderness experience is do you reach growth? Because I think of, I think we're going to find that it's very easy to stay in part one and two of complaint and meltdown, occasionally move into provision. But I think discipline and growth are truly the like God pieces that are offered mm-hmm. to us. And um, I'm excited for us to get to those later weeks together in discussion. Well, Melissa, you mentioned that, you know, one of the things that pops to your mind when you say wilderness is the Sunday school, Old Testament narratives of, and the one that pops to my mind is the Exodus journey, right? Yeah. And we see that the, the people who leave Egypt and make their way to the promised land spend an inordinate amount of time yeah. cycling back and forth between complaint and meltdown and complaint and meltdown and complaint and meltdown. And we have these like series of 40 years, which is that like kind of biblical notion of a generation that like keeps, right. it's like, oh, and like the next generation will get to see it. Or like, well, now it's like the next, next, next generation that's going to get to like go into the promised land because they keep like just circling. Yeah. And we'll get to this in a minute when we get to complaint, but the back to Egypt committee shows up multiple times in the Exodus narrative, right? It's not just once that they go, you know, this wilderness thing and all that fun, let me go back to slavery in Egypt. It happens at least twice in in the journey. We had a shelter, right? But they're, you know, ignoring all the other pieces of oppression that came with that. Right. Right. So wait, yeah. So, but I mean, after provision for our five steps, it goes to discipline and then growth. So do they, do they like keep going backwards and then forward and then backward and forward on this, on this path? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, like there's a reason why, like, I think the language that like we translate into the English is still so powerful of they were wandering with an A, like wandering through the desert and through the wilderness because it was that physical interpretation of like, yes, they physically wandered through the wilderness but part of it is because their imagination and their wonderings like wondering with an o this kind of thing works better not on the podcast but in the like typed format mm-hmm. but they were wondering back through and they kept cycling back through the complaint meltdown provision getting maybe a little into discipline before going back to the complaint again yeah mm-hmm. and i think sometimes we think of any journey, whether it's a grief journey or a wilderness journey as a linear straight, we think it's like the hundred meter dash at the Olympics or something, right? Where it's, you start here, you run in a straight line that way, and then you finish and you're done. Where, as Melissa has beautifully described, it is a circuitous circle back, lots of different things. And sometimes there are things that can, when you are in a season of discipline that may trigger you back to complaint or to meltdown, or, you know, that it's not a, um, it's not a simple journey. The wandering does happen. And I think that's where this framework, I think, is really helpful, right? Because you can understand more fully what is happening and not just experience what's happening, but be able to sort of wrestle with it and name it and um, kind of deal with it on your own and in community when you can kind of name what is happening. And 
you know, sometimes we've talked about it on the Enneagram level of things, right? When, when you're living out of the negative side of your wiring, having somebody who shares that common language with you to help name, Hey, mm. you know, you, you're, you're living into the, the worst parts of being a three right now, Dave. <laughs> um, having that shared language uh, helps you sort of enforce that discipline, enforce that growth and keep you from getting stuck uh, in, in a journey. And so part of our hope in this is that we develop common shared language that is helpful for all of us as we wander this specific COVID wilderness, but also the multitude of wildernesses that exist in our everyday lives. Be, because, you know, we just in advance of this have already talked in the three of us have a myriad of different wilderness journeys that have nothing to do with a pandemic, but that are just the nature and effect of living a human interconnected life. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's that vulnerability that's so important and that will land us in these wilderness times. But the question is, is will we remain in the wilderness? Mm-hmm. So I like, I know I said, I'm really excited for like the later weeks when we talk about discipline and growth, but I will just jump us straight in and say, it is so easy for me to talk about the first experience of wilderness which is complaint okay. where we're at today because man, I am really good. It complaints come easy. Like I can relate to the Karens of the world wanting to call them <laughs> to just like want to give my list of complaints, especially when like, I feel like I've been thrown into a wilderness um, season. And like the first thing that I'm all about is like, I'm sick of this. Like I'm bored. I don't like the new pattern that's been established in the wilderness. There's not a lot of comfort out here. So I'm, I'm over it. Um, but that doesn't mean my wilderness experience is over. In fact, yeah, the specifics of this one, just cause you're done with it. Doesn't mean it's done with you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. That is, I mean, and, and often, you know, I think complaint comes first, right. And, and that's real because often our first reaction when we're placed in a, a moment that is just challenging and hard and doesn't see, it seems where nothing's going our way. Right. I mean, that seems to be uh, indicative of a lot of wilderness, right? Um, it's like, man, what the heck? And, and it, our first reaction can be the, the moment where we just, you know, I, I can't be Karen, but, but I can be whoever the dude equivalent of Karen is. Um, and yes, go, man, or something. Huh? I don't know, Kenneth or something. I was trying Kenneth to Kenneth or something. Yes, <laughs> Kenneth. Um, and, and go, man, what's the deal here? I, I, you know, it, um, it just doesn't work out the, the way we hoped and the way we intended. Um, and, you know, I, I would wonder um, what is it, you know, because there are a lot of different things that happen in the wilderness, but what is it that tends to, to get you to complain most Ooh. quickly. So, <laughs> so I was well. So I was just thinking about this because of whatever Melissa was just saying made me think of. So I don't remember where I heard it. It was probably on a podcast, but somebody said once that sevens are probably the the most hardwired to like not be affected by change, like mm. when change is happening, because because we're kind of almost hardwired to be like you know always looking at like what are the what are because any change for anybody typically 
you know, unless it's like, you know, some horrible thing that's happened, is going to be like, if it's a change in routine, like COVID has presented a change in routine, there's positive things about it. And there's negative things about it. And we always want to go like, oh, now that I have all this time at home, like, here's what I can do that like we that that, at least that was happening for me at the beginning of this, like, I spent the first few weeks going like, oh, this is kind of great. And then it was Mm. like weeks later, when I couldn't think about that anymore all I could see was like all of the things that I that were going wrong because of it after that and so and I felt like I was like flip-flopped with the rest of the world because the rest of the world I mean well no people are still complaining so (laughs) so uh so I guess I guess never mind but I don't know the the part part sometimes chain uh complaining for me is like that kind of it's not the it's never the first I never I don't think I ever lead with complaining unless it's like really bad but the when it's happening um sometimes it's just the feeling of of the change and what was good about what you used to have or what was what could be good about what could be happening if if we you know didn't have this change is so overwhelming you like can't see the positive uh aspects of things anymore even after i spent weeks looking at the positive only i I still was like well that just that stuff pales in comparison to the stuff that's wrong uh with the current Mm. situation and then i spent a few weeks doing that so I don't know, maybe the complaint comes from that place of like, just being overwhelmed by change and being overwhelmed by, um, you know, the the new situation and like kind of the uncharted territory uh, of it. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think? I mean, I can relate to that, Kiefer, because I think for me, like, that's why I like termed it of like the um the sick of this yeah like stage of it is for me the beginning it was change it was different it was i can establish new patterns and habits but it's now like we're in week 19 i think of quarantine and so it's like no like i've created the rhythms i've created the patterns and there's no like deviating from those because to do so would be to like take on risk. And that's not completely true, but that's like the space of where I can then get into the complaint mode. And also when you initially asked that question, Daniel, the very first thing that came to my mind of like, where do the complaints begin? is when I get onto specifically this social media platform, Facebook. For me, that's when the complaints begin because it's either I see someone post something that I ardently, wholeheartedly disagree with and I'm not going to post it in the comments. So instead, it's going to go through my mind. And if my husband's sitting there, he's going to hear my list of complaints of what I find is wrong with this person's post. It's um, also seeing the people that I agree with who are posting about the hardness of this time and being like, this is so hard and like just like getting into this like spiraling like it is so hard and if this doesn't change and this won't change and this will get worse and this will happen and this, it, it's that allow the complaints begin when i allow myself to spiral and for me the like trigger mechanism of that is facebook so i deleted <laughs> facebook off of my phone so there's at least some health um within that to acknowledge that but because I, I know that it doesn't get triggered for me in the same way as if I get on Instagram or on mm. to, well, I don't ever get on Twitter, but I have a Twitter account. Twitter uh, is probably the thing for me that actually gets me the most yeah. complaining. Facebook, I'm over. I, I like I, Facebook. I'm just rolling my eyes a lot, but I'm, I move on from that very quickly. Twitter is where somebody, it's usually my rallying, like 
I go on Twitter when I get angry, which is pretty rare. And it's pretty like, it's not ever like a big raging fire. It's always like a little simmer. But then kind of Twitter is where it's, <laughs> the flame gets stoked a little bit. And I'm always like, yeah, God, everything sucks. <laughs> like, that's how I feel after about on Twitter. So I, I feel you on the social media. I will say like living through this time, like I feel like, and part of this is, you know, growing up in the church, we were given such like two-dimensional interpretations of who the Israelites were as a group or who the disciples were or who the Pharisees were. And so this is one of those times where I do feel this invitation to return to that story of the Israelites, because mm. I think when we go to like their Exodus story, as you brought up, Daniel, in particular, yeah. like, the only thing we label them as is like complainers and as like why can't you get this right like don't you see that god like freed you from slavery like don't you see how easy this should be for you like why are you making golden calves like you know like we think like how idiotic because we've made them so two-dimensional but right. living in this collective mm. season of wilderness i see a lot of israel like tendencies on facebook on in the conversations I have with people, right? They, have you read our sermon scopes for the next couple of weeks? <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's a really good way to put that. I haven't read the scopes. I should have read this. I saw the scopes. I didn't read them, but that's a good way to, it's a challenging way to put that, Melissa. Yeah. But, I mean, I think what the, what the story does for me is it, it doesn't, you know, sometimes when we look for scripture, we, we look for it to paint a picture, right? Where right. that we can be distant and removed from. Often what scripture does, especially in these kind of stories and in this time, is it holds up a mirror and, and invites us to look ourselves in the eye as we look at the, at the disciples or the people of Israel wandering in the wilderness. Um, because, you know, even in this time, we, we, we don't make golden calves, right? Because we don't have forges and we don't have fire, and we don't have gold <laughs> and we don't have all of that kind of thing. But we can make idols out of ideas or out of moments or out of any number of things, right? Um, and, and this time in particular, I think one of the idols that I see many, many people struggling with, and frankly, governments making decisions based on, is this desire for normal. Yeah. Whatever normal might be, right? Um, we want to get to the point where we're disaffected by this pandemic, right? We can resume all free, independent, uh, unencumbered activity. And and the truth is that day's not coming. That day's not coming as a society anytime soon. And frankly, as a society, it's not coming, period, because thousands upon thousands of people have lost people that they love, right? And, and so normal mm -hmm. isn't coming back for those people, right? Yeah. Thousands upon thousands, millions of people um, will live with the unfully known long-term impact of COVID-19 on their own health, having gotten it and short-term recovered from it, right. right? Our systems, things are different, but but we collectively, and I know me in, you know, in particular, long for that day when normal will return. I'm trying not to be judgmental of anybody else and name anything that I don't see within myself sometimes, right? We, we long for that day when we can return to what is normal because we're quick to name what we're missing in the yeah. midst of this. Mm. Um, I read this like beautiful post that's been sticking with me from a, a doctor who has school-aged children mm. and like was writing this kind of post about like, 
do I send my children back? And, and beautifully kind of laying out the like com- complex like decision making that parents are having to go through, not even including what the schools and on it, right? Like we could go on and on right. and on. Like, but like one of the things that they wrote was that originally they had opted for um, like a two day in person and the rest of the week online kind of option and what their child had expressed was that they wanted um that like time with friends kind of thing they wanted the socialization kind of thing and the the doctor said like i want to actually push back on my child's idea i think what my child is longing for is for tuesday yesterday's tuesday's normal and that's Mm. not on the table anymore and that's been and then laid out like you know what will actually give them that sense. And right now that's just not on the table. And so yesterday's Tuesday's normal Mm. is something that's just been sticking in my brain. And I think, you know, so one of the things that Jeff Mannion lays out in the like processing of um, complaint of like signs, it's first, it's the like that sick of this kind of notion. Um, And Another one that he lays out is actually this journey of trust. And so I actually think that like complaint happens when there's a break in trust. And so I think a lot of the us aren't necessarily acknowledging that a lot of our complaints are spurring from us putting that broken trust onto, honestly, where we see a lot of it going right now is onto systems and institutions. So we're upset with our government for handling it this way or not handling it that way or choosing to implement this and not implement this, Or right? We feel this broken trust there, so we complain about it. Um, I think we're doing that as the school calendar gets ready to kick back in. There's a lot of that happening towards schools of, we feel this broken trust. Um, And so it's easy then to complain in the wilderness about that rather than choosing to lean in to healthy places of trust Mm. in the wilderness season. Yeah. I think in that we we're quick to name what we don't have and overlook what is there. Yeah. Mm. Right. Um, You know, cause in the, in response to the first back, uh, back to Egypt committee, right? That the people of Israel experienced, um, God provided manna in the wilderness, right? There, there was this manna from heaven that came, but even after that, the second back to Egypt committee, it had, had experienced all of those foundational trust building things where God had been in connection with them and still found themselves focusing on what they didn't have. Right. And and what they perceived there is a breaking of the trust uh, rather than what they, had had instead of God's faithfulness of like God built the trust and then maintained the trust through uh, not just one committee but two committees. Sorry, right. Keith, you're gonna say something. No, it's okay. This it, you're reminding me of. Um, I don't. I again. I, I'm so bad about remembering where I hear things, but maybe y'all y'all probably heard this maybe before too. The whole like if you if something bad happens to you, um, or somebody wrongs you or like, like bad intake, bad input from the world happens. You like remember it and you store it. Like this is a brain thing. Mm -hmm. You like store it so quickly and like firmly in whatever part of your brain has long-term 
kind of effects. And if something good is happening to you, um, somebody said once you have to like link, you have to intentionally like linger on it for Mm -hmm. like, and I I actually think they were talking about it in context of like, if someone does something to you that is bad or somebody does something or says something to you that is good, if they say something that's good, you have to linger on that for like 15 seconds or something like like they they gave like a specific number. Yeah. My understanding of that is the same way. Yeah. (laughs) That my understanding is that like the negative stuff will imprint on your brain in 15 milliseconds. Where yes, it's something it, akin to 15 seconds for yeah. the pot. You know, you have to sit and that in the encouragement that I have given and also received on that front is, you know, part of, I mean, that's part of where your, your life with prayer and meditation and reflection can kick in and, and help you because it's time where you're sitting and trying. I mean, we've, we talked about that, I think in the day scan uh, prayer episode of the podcast mm-hmm. several weeks ago, Right part of the the goal of the day scan is to overcome that place within our brain that, that is quick to name where stuff has gone sideways and quick to like permanently imprint, like to tattoo it on your brain. Um, the stuff where things have been negative or wrong or what you're missing rather than what you have and, and the role of sort of being able. So at some level it's, it's easy to see how we can't always name the trust that has been built up whether by God or by other people, because what we perceive as a breaking of that trust happens so fast and gets so permanently installed where the moments of embodying that trust takes so much longer to get imprinted on our head. Yeah. That's where like the power of, I mean, there's so many practices that you could take on to help you capture those more positive things. I don't think we do like, you know, the first one that was named by y'all is like this, like once something positive happens to you sitting with that for 15 seconds. Mm -hmm. And I think that's actually probably one of the hardest ones for our culture to do because it requires pausing like, And that can feel awkward, right? But I think that's a really powerful one. Or journaling so that you can go back and point to. I think even I'm someone who like, if someone writes me a note, um, I don't care if it's like real short or if it was just a nice like one little sentence thing or a longer thing, I keep those. And I've got a box that I, I keep all of it in. I don't care what part of life it's from. Um, and the nerd in me has started putting them in by years. Like I've got file folders with the years for them. Um, but so that like, if all I can take in is the negative, if all I can see is broken trust or how this system or this person said this thing, there's a space that I can go to and remind myself that look at the wealth of people who have seen something positive and beautiful in me. So it pushes back against when we allow our own minds um, in our own inputs that we choose uh, to tell us that it's all hopeless and that there's nothing good that can come and it's all broken trust. It helps me to rebuild journey. So it, and it's also, I think a powerful reminder to say um, that when the trust in this really big overwhelming sense feels broken. If we can remind ourselves of the beautiful forms of trust and journeys we've had with individuals um, in Mm. those relationships or in small groups, um, that can be so powerful of what our Sunday school class offered us or what our small group or our house church offered us. I think those things remind us of the trust that um, exists, not just with, 
those kinds of relationships, but also with our relationship with God and God's faithfulness mm. in this time. Yeah, well, this is, Melissa, what I hear you speaking to over and over again, and we've been nailing in on a very specific example, but I think it's helpful for us to wrestle with what is our response to hardship, mm. period, right? Um, is it usually negative? You know, do we get grouchy and or, or depressed or, or go shopping? Well, we don't go shopping these days. Um, online shopping. Online Absolutely. shopping, yeah. Amazon, Does do you have a pile of boxes outside your door, right? What is I, your... I did. I threw it away the, the other day. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I know I've joked with uh, any number of folks uh, over the years, and, and specifically some of my church planting brothers and sisters, right? Uh, when we were closing our church plant, um, a buddy of mine was starting a new church plant about the same time. So we shared a lot of the, the physical resources that we had used for portable church with their new church plant. And, and we had had a relationship before that, but that kind of furthered that relationship. So we checked in on each other periodically. I checked in on him. And, and one of the things I told him very early on is that um, church planting will either make you gray or fat, one of the two, um, <laughs> because of the stress involved, right? And because of the hardship involved. And, and don't hear me saying that there, there was infinite beauty and power and goodness that came from it. But there was also moments that were just really hard um, and really were a struggle along the way, right? And, and so those kind of things just physiologically can make gray hair come in on the temples of your chin um, or in the top of your head that nobody can see, so it's really okay. Um, or can make you pack on 15 or 20 pounds over the course of a couple of years, right? Mm -hmm. um, he, he recently switched to a new appointment and, and said to me, hey, you remember when you told me that I was going to either get fat or gray in church planting? Well, I overachieved. I did both. <laughs> um, but, but I think it, it reminds us and, and raises the question, I think, for all of us to wrestle with a little bit because our responses are going to be different. But, but how do we respond to hardship? Certainly, sometimes we respond negatively. Sometimes we respond with sort of aggression, right? Have you ever known or been the person who said, you don't believe in me? You don't think I can do this? Watch me, right? Watch <laughs> this. Never uh, done that. Never, never. Uh, Keefer's eyes lit up, so I know there's a story, uh, a story there. And I know so there's not a my... story. It's, it's, the, it's the story of my life. <laughs> okay. Um, it... it it's, it's a version of what I have talked with other leaders about during this time of, of a libertarian spirit that shows up in Texas all the time. Our version is like, hell, you're going to tell me what to do, right? Yeah. Uh, Kiefer, what I saw light up in your eyes is like, hell, you're going to tell me we can't or I can't, right? right? Um, Did y'all ever watch Lost? You've asked us this many a time. Dang, sorry. Okay. There, there's, a character, there's a character whose like main thing is like, don't tell me what I can't do. And he's like this angry old man. And I've always been afraid that that's what I'm going to like grow up to be because I already like feel that on the inside so hard. <clears throat> so I think, you know, lost may not be the appropriate thing here. Just consider yourself Alexander Hamilton, right? Oh, you just don't tell me what I, I can't do yet. That was what, that's way better. More pop culture. Yeah. You, you nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> oh. A million things I haven't done yet. Well, and I think like I think what you're naming is that there are, I mean, there are natural things that are going to happen to us in the wilderness. Like, I think we're a little crazy if we don't have a complaint period when we experience wilderness. But the question is, is how do we respond to the complaints? Like, mm. is it in these like 
which is more what's reinforced in our culture in these kind of negative, like independent yeah. ways, or is it a way that grounds yourself back into a community? Um, is it a way that grounds yourself back into a space of gratitude, not a gratitude that doesn't like ignore and look away from the complaints, but looks for where is the faithfulness? Where is the trust? Where is the, um, I might be sick of this, but I still have these things of privilege or that I can mm -hmm. offer um, and give uh, those kinds of spaces. So I think, I think that's kind of our foil to the complaint. Like mm -hmm. we have to have it, but how do right. we Melissa, I love that you bring this up because I think that invitation to us to, to always be looking for the good that surrounds us and, and have our perspective be one where we see the holy in our midst, not just the negative, is an important reminder. Uh, we've been grounded in this journey of the people of Israel out of um, Egypt into the promised land and they're wandering in the wilderness. But the thing that pops into my mind as is, is you talk right now is, is the beginning of that journey. The beginning of that journey where, where Moses hears the call from God to, to go and set the people free, right? And it's, it's, a, it's a journey that begins with that story that if, if you went to church as a kid, you, you first encountered on a felt board likely with the bush that is burning and not consumed, right? Um, but it, but the one of the first things that the bush, which is God's messenger, says to Moses is it invites him to take his shoes off. And... and and tells him that he's standing on holy ground. I think for us in this season of wilderness, the affirmation that the wilderness can be holy ground is powerful, but also you see that, that invitation, that moment where um, God invites Moses to take away that thing that is getting between him and the holy, that is getting between him and the good, that is getting between him and seeing and experiencing holistically that even in the midst of this desert at the foot of a mountain with this bush that's burning in a crazy way, that something good and holy is happening here. And so I think even in this season where complaint is a real thing and a very normal reaction for many of us, right? Where we all get sick of it. We all get tired of it. Where we all long for, for things to be normal again. I think the invitation from God is an important one. To, to try to, as best we can, get rid of the things that get in the way mm -hmm. of us seeing the good in what surrounds us, us seeing the good of the situation, the holy in our midst. Melissa, you named one of the ways you are already doing this at the very beginning of this conversation, right? By deleting the Facebook app from your phone, you are taking off your shoes, right? Uh, so that you may be more fully present and standing on holy ground. We thank you for joining us today on the Gather, Grow, Go podcast. I'm Pastor Daniel. I'm Pastor Melissa. And I'm just Kiefer. If you are enjoying this conversation as much as I am, and I know that Melissa and Daniel are as well, uh, about wilderness and about the stages that we go through uh, when change and unexpected things happen, um, then we would love to bring as many people as we can into this conversation. And uh, you can help us do that by liking and sharing and commenting or reviewing, depending on the platform that you are listening on uh, with this episode. And so copy that link, post it on Facebook. Melissa won't see it, but maybe your friends will. <laughs> and, uh, and we would love to just uh, have as many people kind of talking about this during this season uh, as we can.
And now that we've gathered together today, I want to give us an invitation to grow. And the invitation to grow this week is fairly simple. Maybe we'd be willing to be like Moses and take off our shoes. And instead of noticing every little thing that is different, everything that is wrong, everything that doesn't feel right in the wilderness, take a moment to more fully see the holy in our midst. So if we need to hit pause on a Facebook app, hit hit pause on Twitter, hit pause on your favorite TV channel, hit pause on a relationship. I don't know what it is for you, but, but maybe in this time we can take a moment to set aside for a season the thing that gets in between you and seeing the holy and the good in all that is present of God in this time of wilderness. And now as you get ready to go, would you receive this benediction, this blessing that's meant to be lived out as you go this week? If you find yourself complaining, may you ground yourself with bare feet. If you find yourself saying, I'm just so sick of this, may you ground yourself in connection with the holy. If you find yourself feeling like your places of trust are broken, may you ground yourself in the journey and faithfulness of the trust in God. May you go in peace this week. Amen. 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 Amen.